Hello and welcome to the Station Tapes at 21 Soul. I'm your host, Lewis Marks, and I'm here at the old train station across the river from the great city of Philadelphia. Keyboardist and composer Brockett Parsons cut his teeth on the New York scene and rose to national attention when Sean Combs personally selected him for his touring band. Many know Brockett as the keyboard player in Lady Gaga's band, but it was his appearance on the 2017 Super Bowl halftime show that most will remember, as he debuted a new invention that he and some close friends developed, the Piano Arc 360 keyboard. When Brockett met up with drummer and Modern Icon Recordings founder Adrian Harpham, the two knew they wanted to work together, and the result was Brockett's debut album, The Brockett Ship. Released on October 12, 2018, the album shows Brockett's progressive and curious mind and his approach to music. All right, we are here for another episode of The Station Tapes at 21 Soul, and I had the great fortune of being on the line with Mr. Brockett Parsons. Brockett, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I am good. I'm, I'm honored that I get a chance to chat with you. I have so many questions. Um, but I really, you know, it's funny, uh, everybody has a Wikipedia page, and that's usually my starting point, if not a bio. But I notice you don't have one, so we're going to have to get that straight soon. But uh, I'd like to start with, you know, just tell me a little bit about yourself and, and you know, where'd you grow up and how did you come into music? Hey, man, thanks for doing this. Uh, this is super cool. Um, I grew up in Summit, New Jersey. Um, uh huh. Grew up in a musical family. Um, my mom is a tremendous piano player, composer, um, and my brother is an excellent trumpet player. So I grew up playing trumpet and piano, uh, and was primarily a trumpet player really through high school. Um, Interesting. So tell me, tell me what. I'll listen to. Go ahead. You know. Oh, I was gonna say, um, yeah, like. Um, and I was exposed to music uh, as a kid because my mom would always have these concerts in the house during holiday times. She has a group of, uh, she still has the group even now of uh, anywhere between 12 and 16 women singers. She writes all the music herself, rehearses the group and then gives performances and we were performed for all those people's families at our house, so it's kind of like yearly gathering. And sometimes my brother and I would both play trumpet along with her playing piano. Wow. So, um, yeah, I was taught at an early age just the whole thing about performing, and she instilled in me that uh, you know, performance rule of if you do something you don't like what you're doing, just keep on going, put a smile on your face, and the audience won't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's classic. What style of music were, yeah. were, was she? Is she composing and performing? Uh, I'd say it's pretty hard to classify, but she's, I'd say, heavily influenced by, uh, I'd say, Leonard Bernstein, George Gershwin, mm, 20th century awesome. composers, classical music composers, as well as definitely musical theater, um, like Stephen Sondheim, types, type uh, harmonies. Um, and, you know, she's definitely listens to pop music on, a, you know, sometimes as well. So all of that sort of combined. Um, she's definitely pretty well versed in opera. Uh, she went to Eastman uh-huh. School of Music, um, and she studied under a pretty famous 20th century classical, classical composer named Howard Hansen, uh, who was the, I believe, the president of Eastman at that time. Wow! So 
she's got a pretty strong background in classical music, but she's got perfect pitch too, and she can really improvise really easily. So if you hear her playing piano, it's kind of like she's almost got like that Keith Jarrett thing going on, where she can just kind of play anything that she hears. I wish I had that, but she's got that for sure. So. Being that close to New York, did you go into the city for for Broadway shows and such? Uh, yeah, actually, when I was a kid, um, with my parents as a family, we would go into I know, a few times. We went to the Met, um, some Broadway shows. Uh, saw the New York Philharmonic a couple of times. So, um, yeah, she set a pretty high standard. Was uh, that uh, with that? Was that intimidating to you as you were growing up? As you know performing that 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 she had perfect pitch and was so you know well versed in in music well i mean she was super supportive um and really encouraged me to 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 you know really encouraged me to play as much as i could um but i would say that um at times it can be intimidating because she is just naturally so gifted um so it almost seemed like normal that somebody should be like that. Right, but and, she... uh, so it got a little tricky not being like that. So I had to, I had to work in other ways to really find myself. But she didn't transmit to you that music was a uh, natural talent only. She she transmitted to you that you could learn it. Oh, definitely. She was super supportive and always, you know, gave me the feeling that uh, I had the ability within me to you know, really do something. Um, and she definitely gave me a lot of confidence and sat me down and worked on my ear, actually, when I was young, in terms of intervals and stuff. Would test me with ear training and uh, definitely helped my ear out at a young age. So Amazing. You know, I might not have perfect pitch, but my ear is pretty decent anyway. Yeah, yeah. I'm always fascinated with that. Uh, I mean, I grew up in a family that believed that, you know, you either had talent or you didn't. Um so there was no point in pursuing it. So it's always fascinating to me. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm well, I do think that's true. To some, I do think it's true to some extent. You got to have some raw goods. Right. You know, and uh, I definitely felt like I had that. But uh, as far as you know, everybody has their own voice. And um, yeah, I do think that, that she recognized that also. Gotcha. So it was it was fairly obvious to you that a career in music was something that was almost inevitable for, for you? Well, actually, my father, father's a lawyer. Uh -huh. So, um, I really didn't think that I was going to be a, uh, a career musician, I think, when I was in high school. I thought maybe I'd be like one of those guys that goes to college, <clears throat> becomes a music major, but then maybe uses that uh, and becomes like a lawyer or something else hmm. and just plays for fun. It wasn't until maybe I was 18 or 19 and I was actually in college that I kind of got the bug to really do it. Wow. Full time. So the the obvious question, I mean, you, you perform globally with one of the most famous performers of, of our time, Lady Gaga. H how, do, how do you get from, I mean, obviously some background and, and, and certainly this is part of the family, part of your upbringing, but how do you get from um, just learning the music 
and being one of many, many musicians who are looking for the best gig, how do you get from there to, to, to Lady Gaga? Well, I definitely think there's some, I mean, there's definitely some luck involved, right? I mean, uh, I worked really hard, but I was in the right place at the right time, for one thing. So it's not, I can't, I can't say that there were, I wasn't fortunate. I was fortunate. Mm -hmm. But I also, as a keyboard player, probably played thousands of gigs playing pop music in New York City. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, and in Boston. And uh, with a whole bunch of different, dozens of different bands. So if you think about it, if you're playing in cover bands, the skill that you have to develop to play that music, I mean, that's what you're doing when you play with a pop artist. You're playing a song, learning the parts, you're trying to execute them at a super high level. If you play in a really good local cover band, there's no better way to develop those skills than to just do that over and over and over again. And you get faster at it, as a keyboard player, also having a, an ability to develop sounds is important. And um, being able to play more than one part at the same time. And, uh, you know, listening to hip hop and different styles and being able to change and melt with the times. That's important too. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just did that for years and years and just kept at it and got better. And then went to an audition. But because I'd been to so many different musical experiences in my life up until that point, I was ready. Hmm. Were, were you? And I was fortunate. Were, were you ready for the, the the sheer magnitude of performing on a big stage with so many people in the audience? Uh, I mean, can you describe that uh, that first time when you recognized the magnitude of of that level of performance? Well, I'd done a few two, uh, a few tours uh, before that, mm -hmm. where I played in front of some big crowds, but uh, not quite of that magnitude as you mentioned. And uh, I don't know. I, honestly, it didn't feel that different than you know playing in front of fifteen thousand people. Didn't feel that different than playing in front of five thousand. I don't know why. Hmm. For me, it just didn't. Hmm. Um, I almost think, in a way, playing in front of that many people. There's certainly more pressure because, uh, you know, things have to go right. Um, I mean, there's a lot on the line when you're playing in an organization that has so much invested, you know, a massive tour yeah. in front of tons of people. It can be intimidating, but the crowd is just so apt to see the show anyway. I almost think it's easier in a way because the crowd is already hyped. Right. So the key is to have fun with it and not be afraid, but enjoy it. And that's where being a musician and being a performer is, really the key is, do you enjoy what you're doing? Well, when I'm playing in front of a big crowd, I enjoy the energy and it's it's super fun. It's the same energy that you have when you play in front of a smaller crowd. If they're into it, they're into it, right. which is magnified. Yeah. But I, I again, I'd say that playing in front of a huge crowd can sometimes be even easier than playing in front of a small crowd. It's not, again, it's not easy, but it's just the same principle applies. Everybody's in the game. You just got Yeah. You know? Yeah. Everybody's in the I game. I will say right? one thing, though. When you play in front of a big crowd like that, there are some sonic things that are different in that uh, because the place is bigger, 
the sound choices that you have and and the choices that you make as a musician uh, to fit the room you need to be a little bit different hmm. um, you might need to be a little simpler on how you play because it translates better in a large venue when you play with a little more a little more simply mm-hmm. and with more power and bigger sounds you know if, for example you might you might have to take some reverb off that patch that you had tons of reverb on because the place is already so big that there's natural reverb in the place and if you have a lot of reverb on it, it just comes doesn't cut into the crowd so that's that's stuff that you just learn from doing that but it's just like if you play in a small room and it's super dry you might want to put some delay in that sound if you're trying to make it sound warm it's just you, you are you change with where you are right and what's the learning process with that are you is that kind of in the moment that you're feeling or hearing that or is that sort of from reviewing you know last night's show it's all of that um both you might listen to what uh, you did the night before or you know as a badge you might talk about it talk to the music director about it um he's gonna have some ideas about it let you know hey you know maybe we need to tighten that sound up a little bit um or make that sound a little bigger maybe you need to have another layer underneath that sound also the speakers are so much bigger in a big crowd in a, in a big venue mm-hmm. that um Sometimes if you're playing by yourself as a keyboard player and you have to fill something up, you have to fill up all this, the entire sonic spectrum gets amplified more. Hmm. So, you know, if you're at a club and you're playing with a few, like, for example, when I was in New York City playing Cafe Walk, hmm. I was playing with three guitar players. So there's three guitar players and a keyboard player, and there's a lot of mid-range happening with everyone. So I had to have a little bit more high end to cut through all that. Mm-hmm. And if I had some low-end stuff on my patches, it would sometimes get lost because it was a small club with no natural reverb at all. And it just got muddy. But um, if I'm playing in a big venue and I, might, and I have to play something that sounds really big, if I have too much high-end on the sound, it becomes amplified and gets really annoying when it gets turned up at a large volume. Like, you know, when... Uh, you go to a concert and the sound isn't quite right when the highs come in it just bleeds your ear mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if you don't have a good balance sonically the sound man has is going to have trouble with what you're giving him because your sound might be a little bit too high top top endy so it's kind of it's kind of up to me to try to have my sounds balanced because they get amplified in a big place Sorry to get so technical on that, man. But no, yeah. it's fascinating to me. It's fascinating to me, and I think the message for people who are listening, who are are not familiar uh, with what you're talking about, is simply that th- there's a lot of detail and 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 assessment and correction uh, and consistent effort that goes into this to make it to make it perfect, you know, or as close to perfect as one could for get. Those, for those kind of big uh, pop situations, yeah, um, yeah, it is. It is a surprising amount of detail uh, because you're playing, you, you might be playing some parts that um, the parts themselves on a musical level might not be technically incredibly difficult, um, but yet to execute that so it really feels good um, yeah. is a real challenge. And, yeah. you know, that person can get anybody in the world or, or, or has a large... Can, can pretty much get anybody because it's, yep. a, it's a good gig. Yep. So the onus is on you to 
be the best person at delivering that emotion. So you have to really, um, you have to really study that stuff. It's it's an art, just like anything else. I get it. I some get it. And really, I guess can... some guys are really, really good at that. You know, I've made careers just being incredibly good at uh, playing playing pop music and playing the right stuff at the right time. Perfect. I get it. You know, I grew up in a time when you know we went from small venue to big venue. I mean, I you know when I first right. started seeing shows, the the biggest the biggest venue was you know maybe fifteen thousand. You know, um, and and it just started happening. It was it was interesting because it was the time when hockey started to become uh, popular in the United States. So now people could that was oh. that was the biggest place you could play was a hockey rink, right? Um, right. You know, Philadelphia Spectrum back in the day, and 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 at that time, recorded music was so uh, was the was the channel, right? So vinyl was the thing, and then when you went to the show, you needed to be able to hear in a larger setting, uh, what the record sounded like. I mean, I remember seeing the Rolling Stones at uh, JFK Stadium, which was 100,000 people, an outdoor venue, uh, and wondering, you know, and, and even understanding the, the delay that was happening because of the distance away from the stage that I was uh, of, this, of this song that, you know, um, I had been listening to for five, maybe 10 years already uh, and and seeing how it translated and I never knew that the, I mean I, it's obvious now that there there was there was some very serious work going into making that sound right across the full audience let's jump forward um, you know after all of this uh, in 2018 uh, or maybe just before that, you decided uh, to release your own record, uh, the Brocket Ship, or Brocket Ship. Is it the? Yeah, the Brocket Ship. Sorry, I should have known that already. Um, and you have a, a a pretty diverse collection of music on this album, and I'd like to hear, you know, what your intent was in making the record, and why you chose the the different styles. Well, um, I definitely have a very diverse musical background, and I kind of love everything. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I grew up uh, playing some classical music, or at least, again, as I said before, listening to it a lot through my mom. Um, and then my, my brother was playing trumpet, and he was really into jazz and big band music. Hmm. So... Um, and then, then I grew up in New Jersey, in Summit, and all my friends were listening to rock. And uh, they still are. Then, as I got older, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, as, as, as I got older, I got real into R&B, um, and got real into hip hop. So, I basically wanted to have a, you know, have to do something of all that, you know, just kind of like. I wanted to put all that in there and see what happens. And um, I met my uh, uh, the producer of the record, Adrian Harpham. I met him at a young age when I was at college. Uh, we were, you know, um, we had a mutual friend, and uh, he was a great drummer even then. Right. And we 
did a jam session together and he was highly influential in convincing me to go to Berkeley. Um, and so we just stayed in touch over the years. And uh, when I got back off the last uh, Gaga tour in uh, February of last year, he was like, hey man, because you know, he had, he's done a lot of production over the years, especially recently. And he's like, you should make a record, mm -hmm. do it. Because we had been talking about it for quite some time. And, and uh, I had done, I had completed no projects on my own ever in all this time. And I had some free time, and he was available. And I just said, what's it gonna take? Let's do this. Let's make this a first priority. Nice. Let's get it done by the summer. And, um, and we did it. I didn't know that you and Adrian okay. knew each other for, for, for so long. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I originally went to Bucknell University of Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was a music major there. And I think I was a junior, and uh, there was this amazing guitar player there who had a friend, and his friend was Adrian. And he said, uh, we gotta bring my friend Adrian down and play drums with us, just for a weekend, just to, um, just to let you guys know what it's like to play with a really good drummer. Because um, there were good drummers there, but, um, Nobody was really looking like they were going to be a drummer as a career. Hmm. And w nobody was practicing like five hours a day. It's an academic institution. There just wasn't time to do that for most people. So here comes a guy, drives all the way down from Boston, who's you know 19 or 20, who's playing full time, who's playing six hours a day. He's got some real chops. And... Uh, it was, it was an eye-opener to me, and it, it, it sort of instilled this work ethic in me, like, I really want to be a musician. Okay, there's no excuse, like, I'm 20 years old, and I'm, like, pretty good for a guy who's 20 who doesn't practice. No, nobody cares about that. Either you're good or you're not. And it was a wake-up call, and I felt at that point that not only did I need to practice, but I was actually way behind. I felt behind at that point. Uh -huh. And I knew that it was going to take me some time to catch up, that I had years of practice ahead of me. <laughs> that's, and that's why I have so much respect for, I mean, even guys on your label. Uh, how many guys in Philly are amazing at the age of 18 and killing already? Right. You know, I was not one of those guys. <laughs> well, I mean, it goes to show that it's really just about putting the work in. And I, and I think it's, it's an assessment of how easy or how difficult, you know, that, that's what tests everybody, right? Um, yeah. How 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 you see it all panning out, right? Um, I'm good. I practice some. I play, and uh, so so it should go okay, you know. And then you find out that there are quite a few other people who are also as good, <laughs> who play and practice. And then there are some that r really do it, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, that that that's amazing. I mean, I, I'm I'm so impressed with uh, Adrian and everything that he brings to the table without announcing it. <laughs> you know, um, really really an incredible body of work at Modern Icon Recordings, and and this of course is 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 one. And it's it's a really interesting process too because 
you know, we're in the we're in the latter days of the record label, so to speak, and yet here is a record label that has uh, excellent curation and and some some extremely talented people, um, and and great execution, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful music. Is there a track on this album that you are most excited about, most enjoy, or is it hard for you to look at it that way? It's a hard for one, a hard one for me to say. I might maybe talk about a few of them if that's all right. Please. Um, there's, there's, there is. Personally, I really like Ross 128. Mm-hmm. Um, that features uh, a couple of different people on there. Um, this uh, rapper Ohini Savant um, is somebody that I became aware of because he was. This guy was just posting these killer videos online that had just rapping virtuosity and he was playing all the instruments for his own production as well and they were going viral and uh, I reached out to him maybe two years ago and um, after just going back for you know he, he didn't respond right away because he was kind of busy and he was getting so many messages because he was totally blowing up virally at that point mm-hmm. but um you know, eventually uh, we started talking and he, he was super supportive of what I was trying to do. And then I asked him if he'd be a part of this new project. And uh, man, he, he put his time in. And uh, I, I really thought what he put down on that track is blazing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of uh, the words. I mean, super, super deep. And what he's talking about is Ross 128 is a exoplanet which is a planet that's outside the solar system and a bunch of exoplanets have been recently discovered in the past few years it's a very cutting edge um segment of astronomy wow and the increased technology and i felt like i'm so kind of like outside the norm uh i mean i play a circular keyboard that's pretty wild and this guy comes with some lyrics that are completely outer space. They're really outer space. And then we we're fortunate enough to get Mono Neon to play bass on that track, who in my opinion is maybe maybe like the most relevant bass player right now, mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. or one of them at least, but completely changing the game right now. To have both those guys. And then uh, uh, Adrian had a friend, uh, really great singer A.C. Lincoln mm-hmm. uh, who dropped a hook on there and uh, we're really fortunate to have him uh, contribute as well I just really like that track everybody has a different opinion oh it's uh, an interesting about, uh, what the favorite style of music is it's not for everybody um, but if, if you're into hip hop and you're into pushing the envelope a little bit and some really good bass playing that track's I like that track. I think it pulls everything together. You know, that that's the beauty of it. I mean, it's like, you know, a, a little hip-hop and the bass and, and, a, and, a, and a vibe, you know, and a groove. So, what what else? Uh, what's another fave? Um, oh, man, it's just... Uh, I really enjoyed making all of them, but I'll, I'll just mention a couple. Um, you know, the song Sunsets. 
Um, I got to give it up to Adrian on that one because I had the concept of these chords and a groove, but I just couldn't quite finish it. And, uh, you know, we worked on it together. And then, uh, you know, Mono Neon sent this incredible bass line <laughs> that was amazing. And, um, but for some reason, I just wasn't happy. Uh, just couldn't, didn't really know what to do to actually finish the thing. Uh, so we dropped, I dropped a solo and uh, Aiden really pushed me to like stretch out and not be so concerned about being really nice on that. Hmm. So I got a little experimental on the solo. I still don't even know if I like it, but I like the fact that I, I like the fact that I did it. I, li I like just the overall spirit. It's of, funny. Uh, going for yeah, it, it's funny. You know, uh, songs are songs are kind of like uh, if you compare them to wine. Like, you know, some things age. Some things are some things are really strong up front, and then some things age bitter. So the, I think this might be one of those tracks. So and you, also, I have to say, um, in actually finishing the tune, Adrian, he he, do, he put a, a serious amount of. I mean, he worked on all of them hard, but he really worked on that one hard nice. to uh, make it into something that was cohesive. Um, he added a bunch of sounds and effects and DJ scratching and just kind of made it work. And that's a sign of a strong producer right there. So I wasn't, I didn't even really think it was going to make the record, you know, but huh. I think he felt that there was just something there and it needed to be on there and he figured out a way to make it work. And I think it's one of the two top downloaded tracks. Nice, nice. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to mark it on, on, uh, you know, on my notes as something to come back to later. Like, I mean, I'll listen to yeah. it plenty of times now, but I'm, I'm always stunned when you come back to a song a year, two years, three years later, and, 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 and it gains power. So I'm marking that one down as, as one of those the suspects for the, the, the gaining power. Um, not, that, not that I don't enjoy it now. It's just the point being, you know, sometimes you can look back several years later and go, my gosh, that had... You know where was I on that one? You know that that's that's one that's gonna. Well, that's kind of how that's kind of how I felt about it. But Adrian talked me into putting it putting it putting it on there. I'm oh really no, it's got to be on there. Yeah, it's got to be on there. It's part of it's part of the piece, you know. But yeah, you know the the beauty of the beauty of recorded music and and good recorded music, in my estimation, is that. Um, and I guess I learned this through Bob Dylan. It's like you you may not get it right up front. But it will mature very well. You know, that song, Heal It, uh, that's Adrian singing. I, I knew that he sang pretty well because he did his own records. But I said, hey, man, I want to do something that sounds sort of like David Bowie. And he came up with these crazy lyrics that are... And he really glides on the track really, really well. And so the two tracks that seem to be actually, I think, downloaded the most of my record are Sunsets and Healer. Interesting. And I wasn't expecting those two tunes to be to have the best response. Interesting. I gotta say one more, one more too. Yeah. Uh, the song Lockdown uh, with my friend Raj mm -hmm. um, featured my friend Raj and his uh, fiance Lavelle together they have a group called Novatrek nice. and um, I've been playing with this guy Raj forever in New York and uh, he's 
really creative, really creative guy. And um, I really like that tune. And I was fortunate to also get uh, my friend Jamario Artist on bass. Nice. I thought he did a great job. Uh, he's ki- another super killer young bass player who's changing the game. He's been uh, playing with Bruno Mars for really ever since Bruno got big. Mm-hmm. Since 2011, I think. You know, I, I really, I really like that. You know, I enjoy playing a jazz tune too. Right. 360 degrees, and I'm actually working on a remix of that right now. Nice. I, I got a, I got a friend. Uh, his name is. He goes by the name of Gertie Beats. And he's got like this really big Spotify following. And he really likes what we did. And uh, we're working on a remix to the jazz tune, 360 Degrees. Yeah, we're I gotta not. give a shout out to the actor Esai Morales. He does this uh, intro on my record. Nice. Uh, monologue. And um, I don't know if you've seen the television show Ozark on Netflix. Oh, just for a minute. But yeah, the- maybe one or two episodes, yeah. <laughs> He's um, he's like the main villain on that show on season one. Oh boy! He's the Mexican drug cartel kingpin on that show. <laughs> and he was also, if you ever saw, you ever saw La Bamba? Yeah. He became, he became like he was a big uh, he was a star in that in La Bamba. Wow. So he's a pretty well known actor. Who's is still relevant now, and had a lot of great roles over the years. It's really fortunate to get him to do that. He just did that because he's a cool guy. He's an L.A. cat? Um, he's from New York, but he lives in L.A. Gotcha, gotcha. So that's the intro. You know, I didn't even, I, I did not connect those dots. Now I'm going to have to go back and watch Ozarks, and then I'm going to get he's stuck. Like, he's like the lead in La Bamba. Wow, wow. Very cool. Rocket, thank you so much. Is there anybody else that you'd like to, to mention as we as we wrap up here? Well, um, I was really fortunate to have a couple other really great bass players. Uh, James Jean, is, he's a legend. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was lucky enough to have him play on the jazz tune, which is the last song in the album, 360 Degrees in New York City. And that was Love an amazing it. learning experience. Um, and, uh, I mean, I have a number of great musicians, but um, also fortunate to have Brian Newman, who played trumpet. Um, he's currently the... Um, the music director for the jazz shows that Lady Gaga does in Vegas. So she does a pop show, which is what I'm involved with. Mm-hmm. And then during that same week, she'll do like a jazz show with a big band. Um, and he's the actual music director for that. And wow. uh, so I'll be seeing him shortly. Nice. Out nice. in Vegas. And I also wanted to say I, I was really happy. And this guy, Jason Art, played this amazing solo on uh, that jazz tune. Uh, that guy's a beast. And uh, so I wanted to thank him. And I also wanted to thank, I think the album looks good. And uh, it's got a really cool I agree. cover. Yeah. And I got to give it up to a great graphic designer, Felicia Newhoff, for helping me with that and the whole design of the aesthetic. I like the which way... I think, uh, you know... Yeah, I like the way, uh, sorry to interrupt, but I, I like the way she kind of, you know, we didn't even get into discussion of the piano arc uh, uh, circular keyboard, but there's a great shot of you uh, w- inside that circle, but the way she contrasts straight lines uh, against the circle is uh, is really uh, perfect. 
Yeah, that was the image that I had from a photo shoot from a few years ago. Uh, I think the photographer's name is Jeff Lewis. Um, and so we just used that image. But, I, you know, Felicia did great stuff with it. I agree. I agree. Well, cool, man. I know there's so many to thank. Oh, but that's if I missed somebody. We can come back and do this again. Okay, cool. Uh, if we missed anybody. Man, thanks so much. Uh, I look forward to seeing you in L.A. soon, I hope. Thank you all for tuning in to the Station Tapes. If you like what we do, please subscribe on Mixcloud at 21Soul. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google, and wherever else pods are cast. Our video interview series is available on YouTube at Ropadope99, and you can find out more about the artists we speak with at ropadope.com. Thanks to the 21Soul team, Nick Perry and Steven Jashevsky on production, Larry Yetman on video, and the great Fabian Brown on the creativity and positive energy tip. Our theme song is from Red Hook Soul by saxophonist Michael Blake. You can find out more about Michael Blake at michaelblake.bandcamp.com or on your favorite streaming service. Finally, thanks to all of you who keep the flame burning for independent quality music. To the musicians who pour their creativity into the world, and to those of you who are taking the time to listen, we hope you enjoy the show.